I have to admit, before we had our boys, I was not much of what you would call a child person. I was happy to say from a distance, oh, look at that cute baby. But inside, I would think, cute kid, but please don't put him in my arms. And if you did put the baby in my arms, you better believe I took a bath and hand sanitizer when I had the chance. Just the thought of things like drool and spit up were too much for me to handle because you never knew when it was coming, right? Not to mention the leaky diapers. So babies and small children were not my cup of tea growing up. But now fast forward a few years to see that the Lord blessed us with three beautiful boys. Literally one right after the next. God dealt with my baby phobias by giving me a four, a two, and now a almost one-year-old. What a change of perspective after experiencing the joy these boys have brought to my wife and I. I've enjoyed thoroughly having the opportunity to teach them about God and his word. And it's so exciting to see them start comprehending God's truths. For example, last week when we were in our family devotional, we started praying. And when we were done praying, I said, now it's time for us to go back to our study in the Gospel of John. And my little four-year-old Luke piped up and said, that is really good, Daddy, because when we're praying, we're talking to God. But when we open up the Bible, Scripture, it's God talking to us. And I was quite amazed and excited. I thought, man, I need to talk to him about my sermon, see if he got any one-liners or phrases he could give me. But my wife and I are constantly amazed at how quickly these little ones can absorb Scripture and the biblical principles that we've been able to teach them. Now when I look at small children, I don't see little monsters that will get me messy. I see and have a heavy responsibility to shepherd their little souls. And I am honored, my wife is honored that God has entrusted us with such precious cargo. Amen? Scripture shows us that children are truly a blessing from the Lord. You don't have to go here, but Psalm 127, 3-5 says this. Children are a heritage from the Lord offspring a reward from him like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth blesses a man whose quiver is full of them but scripture also has another perspective about children and it's when children are foolish when children are rebellious to their parents proverbs seventeen twenty five says this a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. So we can see from a scriptural standpoint that children can either be a blessing for from the Lord or in a sense, a burden. So in order for us to grasp how we can raise our children to be blessings opposed to burdens, we're going to spend the next few weeks on the topic of parenting God's way. So let's open our Bibles to Ephesians 6. 
Ephesians 6, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and now we've jumped into the parenting section where Paul actually gives us counsel on how to raise our children. As we begin, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, we praise you. We're in awe of you, Father. We've been so blessed to worship you in song this morning. Father, help us to live in awe of you every moment of our lives, not just when we're praising you in song, but when we're walking with our spouses, when we're with our friends, when we're parenting our children, Father, help us to be glorifying you in all of that. And we recognize we can do nothing without your spirit working mightily through us. So, Father, we ask that you empower us with your spirit. Father, we ask that we have a zeal, a hunger, a passion for your word that, as my son mentioned, it's actually when you talk to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the local church. Thank you for how gracious you are to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ephesians 6, 1 says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul says, children, try to obey your parents. Or, children, it's a good idea to obey your parents. Does Paul act like obedience is optional for children? And the answer, of course, is no. Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul says it's not optional. It's commanded for children to obey their parents. You may be thinking, Terry, have you spent any time with your two-year-old lately? Or, Terry, have you not heard of the terrible twos? In our society, it's the three, fours, and fives, and on and on for that matter. We hear people say, oh, little Johnny, little Susie, they are just children. Yes, they are going to be a little wild. This is just a phase they have to grow out of, right? We've heard also others say things like, little Billy has his episodes, his moments, but he will grow out of them. It's just a phase of life that all children have to go through. They may throw temper tantrums as children, but when they are teenagers, it'll be so much better. Right? The anger, the disrespect, the irresponsibility, that will be gone when your child becomes a teenager. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Teenagers often have their phases as well, too. We hear similar comments. Oh, it's hard. You know how teenagers are. They're just irresponsible. They're just <clears throat> disrespectful. You know how teenagers are. The world just revolves around them. And God's word that is not saturated in our cultural nonsense speaks sanity to parents. And it starts by saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Paul does not talk about phases, nor does Paul talk about episodes our children will grow out of. The Greek word for the word obey in verse 1 in Ephesians 6 literally means to listen under. Which gives us a picture of someone obeying someone else who is over them. Who is ranked above them. Someone who is their authority. It is not listen to your parents because they are nice. 
or because your parents have earned your respect or because your parents have great reasoning abilities and their answers are acceptable or sufficient to the child. That's not it at all. No, the child listens because he or she is under the parent's authority, period. For example, a police officer pulls you over for speeding and he gives you a ticket for breaking the law. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, officer. I want to sort of, for the next few days, just watch you and see if you earn my respect. And if you do, I will pay the ticket. Obviously, that's absurd, right? We wouldn't respond this way to an officer. We would humbly accept the ticket. Some of us may try to shed some tears or make some excuses for the traffic violation, but ultimately, we would listen to the officer because he has positional authority over us. Which leads to point number one. Parents have positional authority over their children. Point number one says parents have positional authority over their children. God has placed the parent over the child as an authority to protect, to guide, to shepherd these little children in the direction of the Lord. So the child does not obey the parents because they have earned the child's respect, nor because they are doing everything right, or the parents have good debating abilities. No, the verses say children obey your parents as to the Lord. When children obey their parents, guess who they really are obeying? The Lord. They're obeying God. The opposite is true as well. When a child disobeys their father or their mother, they are in essence really disobeying the Lord. The rebellion is much more severe than just not listening to parents. But the disobedience is rebellion against God himself. Children and teens, do we look at disobedience to our parents this way as rebellion against God. Parents, do we look at our child's disobedience as rebellion against God? Because it is. It is a serious problem that it seems many in our culture today takes very lightly. But another question that you may be thinking about is why do children have such a hard time obeying their parents why do they or why are they so determined to do it the way they want to as a new parent i remember with our first son luke how he i'm sort of just taken back i don't even know how to explain it but he had is what i would call it creative disobedience is the way i'll describe this to you he was close to one years old still crawling and he fixed his sight on the electrical outlet and he crawled right up to it and started trying to put his finger into it, right? Like all children. I told him, no touch, Luke. And probably swatted him on the hand. And then he waited for a minute and looked at me. And it seemed I stopped paying attention. Then he turned around and started putting his foot on the electrical outlet. And I went over to him again and probably swatted him again and said, no, no, Lukey. And you would have thought he would have given up. Not so much. As he turned around and started pushing his elbows into the electrical outlet. And then he had the audacity 
to look at me to see what my response would be. What makes these little guys so determined to get their way? Why do they have such a desire to do what they want? I don't know who started this phrase, but the first time I heard it, I about fell out of my seat. Last year, we went to the Ligonier Conference, and Vaudi Buckham was talking. He was talking about infants, and he said he called them vipers in diapers. <laughs> so, so I ask you, what causes vipers in the diapers to be so headstrong, so determined to get their way? What is the root problem that is going on with these little vipers in diapers? Or to say it another way, where does the behavior of our children come from? Where does the disobedience flow out of? Well, let's turn to Proverbs 22.15. Proverbs 22.15 to further expound upon this. Proverbs 22.15 says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So God's word says here that folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. And the Hebrew root word for this word folly comes from the word evil. So we could say it this way, evil is bound up in the heart of a child. That means evil is already in this child's heart. It isn't something the child picks up from his environment. It's not something that Satan has to instill in him. It says it's already in his heart. Folly, foolishness is already embedded, wrapped up in. Evil is at the center of the child's heart. But let me ask you, what is the heart? That's the next question. What is the heart? And I know we've discussed this on many occasions, but it's so important for us to understand the heart. When the Bible talks about the heart, and this is a good thing, but we have a lot of new faces here, so we need to all be on the same page of what the heart is. The Hebrew word for heart can also be translated as mind, emotions, intellect, or the inner man. So the heart is talking about the deepest part of the child. In essence, who the child really is. The life center of the child, if you may. What motivates him or her to act and to will in the way they do? Why they do what they do. Which leads to point number two. Disobedience comes from the child's heart. Point number two says, disobedience comes from the child's heart. Jesus said, out of the heart come evil thoughts, anger, rage, malice, lust, gossip, deception, murder, etc. Little Johnny, little Sally aren't angels, nor are they good little children who just need to grow out of rebellion. No, the Bible is clear that they are little sinners in need of a Savior just like we were. Their wicked little hearts lead them to be disobedient. Parents, do we look at our children this way? Do we recognize the depravity, 
the sin that causes our little ones to be disobedient. But the question is, how do we begin to deal with their little hearts? How do we get to the heart of the issues that cause sinful actions like hitting, yelling, whining, lying, etc.? Well, let's put a pause on that for a second. Let me just say a quick word about conditioning our children. Conditioning our children is when we change outward behaviors of our child. For example, we've conditioned our children to sit during family devotions. At first, when we started having devotions with our children, they were like running all over the place, and we have consistently worked with them where now they will sit in devotions as as long as we want them to because we've conditioned them that way. Another example of conditioning would be my uncle's wife is very sick, and they've conditioned or trained their seven-year-old to get up at 5.30 in the morning and make breakfast for the rest of the family. She will make things like homemade biscuits, oatmeal, eggs. They've conditioned her to do that. But let me say that conditioning is not the ultimate goal because we want to get more than right behaviors out of our children, right? We often have right behaviors with wrong motives. I mean, we have that as adults all the time. Why do my boys usually sit and behave during devotionals? The real question is, what is going on in their hearts? The last thing we want to do is condition our children to do right behaviors and not reach the heart. We don't want obedience for obedience sake, right? Jesus got in the Pharisees for the hypocrisy. They said and did all the right actions, but their hearts were far from God, right? They looked down on everyone else as they themselves were puffed up in pride. They were darker than the people they were looking down on. Their hearts were so wicked and evil. So the question is, how do we reach the heart of our children? How can we make sure we reach more than just outward behaviors of our children? Well, turn with me to Proverbs 20, verse 5. Proverbs 20, verse 5. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says this. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. And if we realize who the man of understanding is in Proverbs, it's the person who has a real fear and love for the Lord. That's the, the man of understanding. So point number three says, parents are called to draw out the heart of the child. Parents are called to draw out the heart of of the child. Ted Tripp has a great example of this in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, where two boy, boys are fighting over a toy. And Ted Tripp says most parents go over and say, who had it first? And they miss the opportunity to get to the heart of both children. Ted Tripp goes on to say, but if we look at the situation according to the heart, we realize that both children are showing a hardness of heart. Both are being selfish. Both children are saying, I don't care about your happiness. I'm only concerned about myself and that I want this toy. Ted Tripp finally says that the issues of the heart reveal that both children 
are sinning. Two children preferring themselves over the other. Both children are at that moment rebelling against God. Amen. I mean, how many of us see that both children are sinning? We often get so distracted on behaviors that we miss the heart. We look at two kids fighting over a toy and we make it about justice. Who had it first? We want to be fair, but all the while we have selfishness ruling both of these little hearts. So we have to begin to draw out the child's heart. Because we see our children doing something wrong and we have the tendency to say, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And they look at us in horror. They don't know why they did it. They say, I don't know, right? And then we get more frustrated at them. We need to start thinking biblically. What should be the goal of this conversation that I'm having with this child who's oblivious to the sinfulness of his own heart? Again, we want to bring out what is in the heart. I had the opportunity to do this with our four-year-old Luke a few days ago. As I, it was funny, I just was thinking about this and read Ted Tripp's example, and then I stumble across my son Luke taking a toy away from his two-year-old brother Silas. And I took Luke aside and talked to him about the incident by saying, Luke, right now Silas is playing with the toy. Do you think he is enjoying playing with it? And he thought about it for a minute, looked at Silas, and he said, Yes, Daddy, he's enjoying it. Do you think it would make Silas happy or sad if you took the toy away from him? And Luke thought about it again, and he said, Sad, Daddy. And I asked him, do you want to make Silas sad? And he said, no, Daddy. Well, I asked him, do you think it is kind or rude for you to take away something Silas is enjoying? He thought about it again for a minute, and he said, rude. And I said, that's right, Luke. Love is not rude. God wants you to share your toys. God wants you to put your brother above yourself. This conversation is just a glimpse of trying to reach his little heart. But honestly, we as parents have to go well beyond conversation. It has to be a way of life for us. To some of us, it may be a real paradigm shift as we may have to make many changes and sacrifices in our lives. Getting to the heart of a child looks like a family who has a specific direction, a specific goal, a focus, a purpose in a way that the parent and the children all know they are looking towards. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 to, to continue to look at that. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. God's holy, inerrant, infallible word says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you should talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So we get this glimpse of this family that is focused on obeying the word of God. They live for God. They talk about God. It's a part of their daily routine in this family. The question is, why do they saturate themselves in God's commands? Why do they build their house on the Lord Jesus? Well, let's look back at verse 4. It gives us the answer. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So these parents are passionate, zealous for the Lord. They love God. That's why they're raising them in the commands of God. And we got to remember that love in Scripture, as we've talked about many times, is equated to what we focus on, what we are passionate about, what we live for. What matters to us is what love is. It's what we're living for. It's not a, a feeling that comes and goes here and there. That's not love. Point number four says parents who love God train their children in the word of God. Point number four says parents who love God train their children in the word of God. So we train our children in God's truths when we wake up, when we go to the store, when we go out to eat, when we go to the park, when we go to church, when we discipline them, when we talk to others, when we spend time with our families, when we go to sleep. God's word is in the forefront of these parents' minds daily, moment by moment. Parents who love the Lord see life through the lens of God's word. The word of God is what the Holy Spirit uses to change and transform our little children's hearts. Parents, let me say our conversations, our times of discipline, the fun times we have with the children, the times our children are asking questions, the times our children are struggling with fear and worry, the moments when we are walking alongside with our children, these are all opportunities that we can take our children back to the Word of God. Not to mention, the Word of God allows us and our little ones to see God all the clearer. But not only to see God all the clearer, they're able to see themselves more rightly and accurately. Parents, let me ask you, if you are living out the word of God yourself, because surely if you're not living it out, you're not going to train your children to live it out, right? What are ways that we as parents are training our children with a biblical perspective because we are so zealous for Christ ourselves. In conclusion, as parents, we will get overwhelmed. We will get tired. Yes, we will fail often and we will struggle. Amen for God's grace, right? We need to be gospel-centered parents, recognizing the grace that has continued to be given to us. So I'm not saying here that we're going to do things perfectly here. This is just what we're, we're aiming towards as parents. 
And yes, we will often feel like giving up and throwing in the towel, but we can't give up hope. We have confidence, and it's not confidence in our abilities or our personalities or our wonderful life that we're having. It's dependent on the Lord himself. It's trusting in the Lord to work in us as well as our little children. 2 Peter 1.3 reminds us his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. God has given everything we need as parents to live for him at this very moment. We are equipped. God has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us the word of God. He has given us prayer. He has given us the local body of believers called the church. Amen? If you are struggling to raise your children God's way, I would encourage you to reach out to others. There's many who've walked down that road. There's many who are walking down that road right now. We often have to ask people, this is going on in our lives with our child. We can't figure out what's going on. Do you have any wisdom from God's word for us? We should be doing that with one another all the time. If we know the word of God, then we have much wisdom to share with others. We are competent to counsel if we are Christians who are walking in the word of God. We're all in this together. That is why we're called the family church, right? May we love one another as Christ has loved us. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, what a responsibility, what a blessing it is that you have been so gracious to us. That you have given us these little souls to be able to lead and guide and direct into your ways. Father, help us to be humble, loving parents who are diligent about growing in areas that we are failing as parents. Help us to continue to glorify you more and love you more. And if there's many in here that, that don't have children right now or their children are grown up, Father, allow them to continue to grow as they're learning about parenting and different truths as well because they need to come alongside many who are struggling. So let these messages sink into all of our hearts so we can be better equipped to glorify you. And it's through Christ's name we pray. Amen.